It's me, Frank Coleman. I am so honored to be able to speak this morning. Um, it's such an honor anytime I get the, the opportunity or asked to, to, to help out with these Sunday mornings and just deliver a word. I am always excited to engage, but more specifically, uh, given the times that we're in right now with COVID and uh, you know we're all not back in the building just yet, um, it's just a great opportunity for me to come and just plug in and connect with you guys, even though it's over a camera. Um, I'd still count it. Um, you know, at least I get to speak out to you guys, and hopefully you guys can feel connection with us here in the studio today. But uh, either way, I am so honored to be here this morning. Um, and, and, you know, it won't be too long before we're, you know, we're all back in the room together. You know, we're targeting September, and I just can't wait to worship God and just, you know, hear more and learn about Jesus again under one roof again with all of you. I am so excited for that. But you know what I probably miss the most ever since the pandemic started? ever since this COVID thing and all these lockdowns, is buffets. That's kind of been my thing. I love buffets. If you ask my kids or my wife or any of my friends, um, you know, when my birthday rolls around, what do you want for your birthday dinner? I'm always saying, I want to go to a buffet. You know, you play a, a, a flat rate for all the food you want. I just, you know, if you don't like one thing, that's okay because there's about 100 other things, you know, you can just indulge in. I love it. And when I go to a buffet, I strategize. Like, I, I, I consider how much I'm paying, and then I strategize for the amount of food that I need to consume so that I start eating into their profit margins. And I know, like, Frank, you're probably saying you got some issues, but I'm serious. It's, you know, it's, I like to be frugal. I like to get the most bang for my buck. I want to collect as much value as I can. So I usually start, again, if it's a Chinese buffet, uh, you know, I always start with a bowl of wonton soup. You know, because you got to get that, that, that warm broth in there. Kind of goes in. It primes your tubes, primes your stomach, you know, gets things ready. It's starting to say, hey, you know what? Let's make some room in here. Something big's coming. And now that I'm primed, you know, I pile on my first plate, my second plate, my third plate even. And then when I start to slow down, you know, I, I don't actually stop. Instead, I go get another buffer bowl of wonton soup. So, you know, some more warm broth, you know, just to pack that food down, you know, push some stuff to the side, you know, make room for, you know, a few more plates, maybe a fourth plate, a fifth plate. And, you know, once I hit capacity, I can't just stop. I can't just come to a buffet and not take advantage of that, you know, the dessert buffet, right, where they got that nostalgic uh, ice cream, serve yourself ice cream section. And then they also have those, those cubed jellos. You know, they got all the reds neatly thrown in a tray and, and the green and the yellow, those cubed jellos. You cannot go to one of these buffets without getting that. So, and like the whole time, I'm just filling up my stomach piece by piece, wonton after wonton after wonton until I've hit my limit. And then even once I hit my limit, I'm like, I know. I can get more. I know I can. And I keep wanting to stuff more wontons on top of wontons in my stomach. And before you know it, I am feeling stuffed. And the thing is about, the thing, the thing is about reaching our limits is that one more wonton or one more rarely adds anything. In fact, it subtracts. Because at one point in that night, I hit my limit where I need to stop. This was my capacity. But yet, you know, there's something in me. It's like, no, I got to step past that capacity. And it seems to be like it's human nature that we always want to take things to the limit. We always want to walk up to the, to the edge, right to the line of how much can we get away with. And, you know, I think of, like, people that do parkour. Um, you know, that's the, uh, the art of getting from 
point A to point B in the most creative way possible. And if you watch some of these extreme parkourists, they're like scaling the sides of buildings and doing backflips off of bike racks and all this crazy stuff, right? Just living life on the edge and, and taking their, their physical bodies to the very limit or, or those adrenaline junkies. You ever see those where they're, you know, they're, they're scaling the side of a building or they're walking along the edge of a crane and they're going out to the crane all just so they can get a, get a selfie of them risking their life at incredible heights or, or, or shuffling along the side of a building, right? Just to get a selfie, just to say they did it and just for that ad adrenaline high. And I know what you're thinking. You're like, well, Frank, I can't relate because I'm not a pig like you and I don't know what parkour is and I don't, and I don't climb on cranes for selfies. But when you think of it, um, I, I would bet you, unless you're an abnormal driver, um, I would challenge you, what do you set your cruise at when you're driving on the highway? Unless you're abnormal, you either lock your cruise in at the speed limit, and I would even bet you probably lock your cruise in a little more. See, you've taken it to the limit, and you've probably even taken it a little far. You've locked in at a, at a, at a speed where you're past, the, past your limit, but where you're comfortable, where you think the law won't catch you, right? So we have this, we have this way of thinking and approaching this line or this limit in our lives where, you know, it, we think, well, if it's legal, whether it, this line represents whether things are legal or illegal, whether things are responsible or irresponsible, whether things are moral-ish or immoral, ethical or unethical, or the line of, you know, where we're in control and we're completely out of control. We seem to love to walk that line and keep bringing ourselves to that edge where we, we've gone as far as we think we can control ourselves. And to think of things that way is a very flawed and dangerous way to think. Like, we, we wouldn't allow our children to live our lives that way, if you know what I mean. Or you wouldn't allow anybody that you care about or love to live their life that way. And just think of it this way. Just imagine you're at a, a pool party, and there's a beautiful in-ground pool, and everyone's standing around socializing, except there's an infant walking around. And that infant is just learning how to walk, and he's, you know, he's teetering and tottering. He's stumbling to the left, stumbling to the right, but he's slowly making his way to the edge of the pool. And as he approaches that edge of the pool, what would you do? If you're a decent human being, you would see the danger, and you'd swoop in and pick that kid up, and you would bring him back away from the edge of that pool. Now, the issue, what was the issue with that child? He, was, he wasn't in any danger. He wasn't doing anything wrong. In fact, he was learning how to walk. He was enjoying himself at the party probably as much as anybody else. But just like that child, the issue's not with where we're going or what we're, uh, where we're going or what we're doing. The issue is with where we're going to end up. And that kid could have ended up in the pool. See, this dangerous way of thinking, it's fueled by a very dangerous assumption that we all make. And that assumption is, if it's not wrong, it's all right. If it's not illegal, it's permissible. If it's not immoral, it's acceptable. If it's not over the line, then it's fine. See, these are excuses. These aren't reasons. These are excuses that we tell ourselves that bring us closer to the edge. And we keep telling ourselves these excuses that keep bringing us closer and closer to that edge. And the thing is about these excuses that we tell ourselves that no one is better at persuading us than yourself. Which brings us back to our very first question that Ryan kicked this series off um, that we're in the middle of, better decisions, fewer regrets. And that is the question is, am I being honest with myself? 
am I being honest with myself, really? And that our first scripture that we talked about in the first week was from Proverbs 22. It says, the prudent sees danger and takes refuge, but the simple keep going and pay the penalty. See, prudent people are mature people. And mature people ask them this question all the time. And this is the question I want to focus on this week. And I, we call it the maturity question. And because the maturity people ask themselves this question all the time, and just, quite frankly, simple people don't. And that question that I want to focus on this week is, what is the wise thing to do? See, mature people understand that a decision can both be not wrong and also unwise at the same time. So why don't you just consider yourself for a second. So if you take a moment, and I'm sorry to do this to you, but if you look back in your past and you dig up a regret that you have, I bet you that you can find a chain of unwise decisions that weren't wrong, that weren't immoral, that weren't unethical, but you've made that led up to that great regret in your life. So to avoid more regrets, we need to ask ourselves this question as often as we can, every opportunity we have, and that is, what is the wise thing to do? Paul wrote in his letter to the Ephesians, he says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. See, reading this tells me human nature hasn't really changed that much, you know, over since Modern times versus biblical times. It seems like even back then, he was trying to tell people, hey, stop making unwise decisions. People were still living life on the edge, taking things to the limit, thinking, well, I can get away with this, and I can get that far, so I'm going to do that. So it just seems to be knitted (laughs) into, into our human nature. And the next line is making the best use of the time. See, we right here, Paul is encouraging us to begin to encourage, to utilize one of our greatest assets, our assets. That is our time. Our time is our greatest asset. And he's giving us the opportunity that starting today, every moment that we have is an opportunity to be wise and begin to propel ourselves into a wise future, in a wise direction. We may not be able to change the past, but we are given the opportunity to begin now, moving forward into a wise direction and sculpting our future. Now, he finishes uh, his letter, this verse in his letter to the Ephesians with uh, kind of a, a weird a weird phrase. He says, because the days are evil. Now, when I first read it, I'm like, well, that seems kind of dramatic. What, what, what do you mean? And the more I thought of it, I'm kind of thinking, you know, it's true. It's true. Like when we look around, we look at our world and culture, um, you know, it's, things aren't right. You know, like when's the last time uh, you've ever went to, to buy something at a store and the salesperson said, hey, uh, you know what, you should, you should probably go home and, and think about this. You know, maybe talk it over with your spouse and, um, you know, really balance your budget to see if you can afford this. That's never happened. They never said, why don't you stop and be wise? Why don't you stop and think of it? Why don't you stop and be careful? Never. Because culture is always predicting now, not later, more, not less. If it feels good, do it. Right? That's what culture pushes us. So it tells us we can't rely on culture to help support us as we try to make wise decisions. So I want to approach this question, which is, what is the wise thing to do 
with three different perspectives. And, I'll, and those three different perspectives are, in light of my past experience, my current circumstances, and my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing for me to do? Did you ever hear the saying, you know, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Or um, those who forget the past are doomed to repeat it. Well, our past predisposes us to specific temptations, addictions, biases, and blind spots. And everybody's different. Someone may be able to have, uh, um, be more prone to different temptations or addictions than somebody else might be because we all have a past and all of our pasts are different. Um, there's a, there's a, a friend I know who, uh, whose family grew up and they all struggled with uh, drinking. They were all alcoholics. Um, today, he, today he made the decision that he is not going to drink whatsoever because he's well aware of his past experience with his family. And growing up, he's told his children, he's like, uh, he sat his children down to discuss uh, the dangers of, of drinking too much in alcohol. And he said, I'll tell you one thing about drinking, and that is when you try it, you are going to love it. And because he, you know, he's aware of his family's past experience with alcohol, the, 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 uh, the generational uh, uh, spirit of drunkenness that this family struggled with and that he has worked, he and his siblings have worked hard to break free from. Um, Andy Stanley uh, says in uh, his book, he tell, gives an excellent example of this, and he tells a story about uh, his friend named Steve. And Steve was engaged, and he was in uh, six weeks of premarital counseling. Um, he just finished. He just paid the bill for it all. And he was excited to move on his life, on, on with his life with his new wife. And uh, as they're finishing their final counseling session, the counselor says to Steve, he goes, you know what, Steve? Um, I really think you need to come back for more one-on-one -on -one counseling just yourself based on, you know, the family unit you were raised in and, you know, your past. And uh, this upset Steve. This made him furious. He, began, he was fuming. He couldn't believe that he's like, I just finished six weeks of counseling, and now you want me to take even more, and you want me to pay for more? Well, he was so angry. He was so angry that it basically confirmed his need for more counseling. And then after Steve got his counseling, he was able to, he, if you asked him today, he would say that it was that second round of counseling that made his marriage so successful. He owes the success of his marriage to that second round of counseling because Steve made a wise decision and despite his, his past experience, made the right decision for extra counseling so that he can begin to solidify his new marriage. So in light of our past experience, what is the wise thing to do? Now, in light of our current circumstance, what is the wise thing to do? In light of our current circumstance, what is the wise thing to do? Now, I don't know about you, but when I get upset in the moment, I, can, I rarely make a, a wise decision. Um, and, and for me, when I'm upset and I'm angry, usually the wise thing for me to do is nothing. I'm not sure if you can relate to that. But when I wait and prepare a response, rather than immediate knee-jerk reaction, things just seem to go better for me. I'm, not, I'm sure you can relate. Um, like, and when we consider this, you know, what is the, uh, despite my current circumstance, what is the wise thing to do? We can ask that in relation to anything. Like, like, in light of my current financial situation, what is the wise thing for me to do? 
Like, do I need to take on this loan? Do I need to buy that, you know, brand new vehicle uh, versus a, a used vehicle? Um, you know, uh, in light of my spiritual um, condition right now, what is the wise thing for me to do? You know, in, in spite of my current relational circumstances, what is the wise thing to do? You know, if, if you're fresh out of a relationship, would it be wrong to jump into a new relationship? No, not really. But would it be the wise thing to do? You know, like, I, I, it's funny because um, we even have a, a word for that. You know, people are always saying, oh, they're on the rebound. You know, and rebounds are, are never uh, seem to work out <laughs> very rarely. But, like, it's, so, it's such a reoccurrence that we've given it a nickname. So is it a wise thing to do? So in light of our current circumstance, what is the wise thing to do? And that's what, the, that's what we need to be asking ourselves every time we're given the opportunity to uh, exercise wisdom. And the third aspect is, in light of our future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing to do? In light of our future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing to do? So what are your hopes and dreams? Where would you like to be? We have to, you have to be able to define that for yourself. And I strongly encourage yourself, taking that to prayer, asking God, God, you know, what, what do you have for me, God? What are the hopes and dreams that you want for me, God? And, and if there's any passions inside, or you can even ask God, God, what breaks my heart? And really analyze, you know, what breaks your heart? Is there something specific, a calling on your life where you just, you know, where you want your future direction to head, where you can be used and utilized? You know, are, 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 you, are you married? Do you want to be married? Is that where you want to go? Um, you know, do you want to buy that cottage that you've always dreamed about having since you're a little kid? And, you know, your own personal cottage to go fishing in, you know? Do you, are you retiring? Do you want to retire? Um, do you want to pay for your kid's college and help your children out, you know, in their next steps of life? Be able to do that. You know, are you hoping your children visit you more often? You know, are you, do you want to be able to play with your kids or your grandkids um, when you're older? You know, we all have a preferred future. When we don't ask this question, you know, in light of our future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing to do? When we don't ask this question, we risk being the biggest contributor to our own demise. Like, and we think of our hopes and dreams, the world is hard enough. Like, just leave, put everything aside. The world is difficult enough. The world wants to kick us when we're down. The world is horrible when it comes to our hopes and dreams. Like, and why would we want to add to that? Why do we want to, you know, fight the world as we try to achieve our hopes and dreams and then be our own worst enemy when it comes to trying to pursue them? And when we ask this question, it filters anything that wants to hinder where you want, where you desire to be. And we are honest with ourselves, it can be a really painful moment because sometimes satisfying the present seems so much greater and so easier than satisfying the long term, which is why it's so important we need to be constantly be asking ourselves, in light of my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing to do? We make excuses for ourselves. And, and, and like I said, they're persuasive because, you know, most of the time our excuses are true, right? You know, we say things like, oh, I can handle it. I'm not doing anything wrong. Yeah, but, you know, God's great, right? God will forgive me. The Bible says so, right? And those, you know, those are true, but who cares? Like, it's not about whether it's good or bad, you know. The purpose of this question isn't to avoid doing something wrong. It's to, it's to do something wise. 
and to avoid something unwise. See, Andy Stanley says in his book, your excuses escort you to the threshold of regret and abandon you there with no margin for error. Much like a child standing on the edge of the pool. So ask yourself, where do you want to be in five years? In five years, think about it. You're going to be somewhere in five years. The goal of this question is in light of my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing to do? The goal of this question is that you're going to be somewhere in five years. You might as well end up there on purpose, right? So do you have children? Well, what do you envision for your children's future? What are you doing right now to support and feed into that vision that you have for your children? Are you married? Are you wanting to go, you know, the long run with your marriage? You want to grow old together, you know, and end up, maybe end up in the same senior's home or something like that, or feeding each other mashed peas when you're older. I don't know. If you want to go the distance in your marriage, what are you doing today, currently, to support that uh, uh, strong relationship with you and your spouse? What are you doing today? See, Andy has a little, uh, a little rhyme, I guess, that, uh, that uh, he tells his children. And it goes like this. There's good and there's bad, but that's not my cue. But rather, what is the wise thing to do? Don't settle for living where there's no margin for error. Stop surviving and start thriving. So we need to be asking ourselves this every opportunity we can. In light of my past experience my current circumstance, and my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing for me to do? In Proverbs 1, verse 20, it says, Wisdom cries aloud in the streets. In the markets, she raises her voice. Wisdom is literally out there. It's, it's not something that we need to go hunting for, we need to go looking for. In the scriptures here, it says, wisdom cries aloud in the streets. It's out there, it's yelling at you. And that's most of the time, we know what the wise choice is. But in the moment, the temporary satisfaction of the moment seems so much easier of, a, of, of something to do than to think long term and to do something that's wise. See, it's on us to listen, even if it's painful. And it's on us to take refuge in it. Remember the scripture we, I, I opened with? It says, the prudent sees danger and take refuge. But the simple keep going and pay the penalty. See, the prudent sees danger and they take refuge. I want to ask you this morning, where are you taking refuge? What do you rely on? Where do you look for for your wisdom? You know, if you go looking for it in culture, you'll, you're, leaving, you're leaving your hands uh, your fate in the hands of retailers and, and the debts from the bank that they'll, they'll sell you anything, they'll give you anything, they'll convince you of anything. But where are you really taking refuge? Psalms 34 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. If you've never given yourself the opportunity to take refuge within the security of God and his son, Jesus, then I want to give you the opportunity to listen to wisdom and allow Jesus to reign within your life. If, it's, if that's you, I'd like to lead you in a simple prayer. Repeat after me. Dear God, 
Something inside me is telling me that I need you. I don't truly understand, but I want to know you and your son Jesus more. I'm trusting you with my past experience, my current circumstances, and my future hopes and dreams. From this day forward, I am choosing to take refuge in you and invite you to make your home within me. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I've had such a great time this morning uh, being given the opportunity to speak to you. Um, be sure to tune in next week. We got Mia Nogler speaking on our next question, which we'll be studying as we go through this Better Decisions, Fewer Regrets series by Andy Stanley. So be sure to tune into that and have a great rest of your week. And I feel this right.